time I used to say love, I found I didn't care. Every time I thought I felt in love, I found it wasn't there. Once again, summoned by my uncle Rob Silver to talk about the whispers on the Legends of Sports and Music podcast. Now, um, as far as me, I'm only going to talk about me and how I came across the whispers. Um, that became a part of my life when I be- when I uh, started my R&B journey. Well, really, I say my whole music journey becoming a like really, really um enthralled with the music I'm interested in, but if we just um stick to R and B, that's that's where I first um came in counter with them. Now, when I first came in counter with them, it was um I didn't really go full throttle in it. I just, you know, heard a few songs and uh like well, I heard Rock Steady before from a in a party, a fanny party, but the hits, I knew I knew the hits because you know that's what I listened to and uh I kind of just stood there. I didn't really go too deep into it. I didn't really go full throttle into them until about, I'll say, four or five, yeah, about four to five years ago. And with them, it's it's, it's very interesting there. They have a, a real interesting bounce, if I could say. And 
also what interested me about them is because they're like one of the pillars to me of what 70s soul is. And if we go um, R&B soul wise, the 70s is arguably the greatest. I'm not going to get into what I think is the greatest. I have a lot of different reasons as to why I like different things, but the 70s is real special and the whispers play a major part in that. 80s too. But as far as how I became even a more fan of them was their love songs. Now, they, they talk about different topics, of course, just like any other group from that time. But their um, their love songs, their ballads is real. <laughs> I, love, I love damn near all of them. And my favorite one is the one you wanted me to talk about, Rob. Uh, Y'all, what's been missing from my life off that Love Story album. Now, reason why I love that song is it's like a real simple story. It's a real, and it's real relatable too. Like any 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 man can relate to that. So basically, all it talks about is how at first he's down and out. He doesn't really do too much. He keeps to himself. He's kind of standoffish. Could even say um, it's a lot of negativity going on as far as mentally where he's at. Then he meets this woman and his whole life changes. Like at first he couldn't believe in love. Love, he didn't believe it at all. It's a facade. Then he meets this woman and it changes his whole perspective. He, it's, it breathes a new life into, into him. So, and then um, second verse, it basically talks about the same thing. So really what it is, is it's holding this person in a high regard as to changing his life and it's a lot of stories like that like i said any person can relate to that so that's kind of why i um love that song a lot and it it, it speaks to the it speaks to the album love story you know i think that's good. if there was ever a, a title track if they were to put that as a title track i think that would be it but it's kind of all i gotta say on that one um, to everybody that's contributing voice notes, to everybody that's listening, hope y'all have a great one. Uh, Rob, you know I appreciate you more than you know. Uh, have a great one, everybody. Peace. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, the original great, your Uncle Rob Silver. And for the first time in a couple of months, we're back to taking voice notes, listening to the listeners memories of their favorite artists the last couple of months i've been reviewing great documentaries on rick james biz Marquis, the negro leagues donna summer will chamberlain and steph curry well now we're back and if you guys want to hear those reviews here on the legend sports and music go back to the archives check them out i I did mind with the with Rick James, Donna Summer, Bismarck Key, et cetera, the musical documentary reviews I did. I played their greatest hits. And with the sports documentaries that I did on the Negro Leagues, Wilt Chamberlain and Steph Curry, I played highlights of their of their greatest accomplishments. Whether it was Satchel Page, Oscar Charleston. Josh Gibson on the Negro Leagues, the league documentary review I did, or uh, 
great highlights from Will Chamberlain and Steph Curry on their respective review do- document review shows I did. But now we're back to what's been the staple of the legend of sports and music. Talking about the influence that the artists had on my life growing up as a kid or, or as a teenager or with the whispers as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. And we have some great voice notes that we're going to play. And we started the podcast off with the great song, You're What's Been Missing From My Life, that was released, I believe, back in 1971. And then uh, Jay, my Haitian young brother from um, Long Island, talked about how this is his favorite whisper song. And it is one of the great unconditional love songs that the whispers ever did. And anybody who knows me knows that my favorite type of music are slow jams slash ballads, especially the soul and R&B types. And the two, my two favorite ballads are the unconditional love songs and the heartbreak songs. So your what's been missing from my life is one of my favorite whisper songs as well. Top five. And first time I heard this song, was it as a child? I, I was three years old when this song came out in 1971, but I wasn't listening to the radio back then. I, I didn't even know about the whispers. My parents and I discovered the whispers at the same time, watching Soul Train in 1978. And they came on and they sung Olivia, which we'll be playing later on in the podcast, a powerful song, a powerful, powerful song. We'll talk more about that song later on on the podcast uh the first time my mother and i heard your what's been missing from my life was in 1983 summer of 1983 back then i was 15 years old back when i was a teenager my mother and i used to listen to the quiet storm together on, on, during the summers when there was no school i didn't have to get up in the morning to go to school the, the legendary quiet storm on wbls in new york hosted by the legendary Vaughn Harper. Vaughn Harper set the standard that Lenny Green and Keith Sweat continue today with their respective Quiet Storm type shows. Lenny Green with the Quiet Storm. Before that, he was on Kiss FM with Kissing After Dark. And Keith Sweat with the Sweat Hotel that used to be played in New York, but when BLS and when Kiss FM went out of business, they took Keith Sweat off the off BLS and they replaced him with Kiss FM's Lenny Green but they continued to the tradition of that great quiet storm where you have the guy with the deep voice and I remember Vaughn Harper this is Vaughn Harper man I miss Vaughn Harper I mean Lenny Green and Keith Sweat are great but Vaughn Harper brought back so many memories WBLS had some of the greatest on-air talents in the history of radio Frankie Crocker uh, Jeff Fox, Ken Spider-Webb, Shayla, Chuck Leonard, and of course, the legendary black Puerto Rican John Rivas, a.k.a. Mr. Magic. I talked all about him on the Bismarck E documentary review podcast. And Vaughn Harper. And uh, Vaughn Harper with that deep voice. But when we first heard your What's Been missing from my life 
it was right after Vaughn had played. Uh, Vaughn, uh, Vaughn Harper had played Ebony Eyes by Smokey Robinson and Rick James. And I covered that song on the Rick James documentary review tribute podcast. And then right after Ebony Eyes came, you're watching for missing it from my life. They went to commercial and we came back because my mother and I were like, who's this? Who's this is a great song. We didn't recognize the voice because we, we uh, the Scott brothers didn't sound anything like they did on And the Beat Goes On, Olivia, Chocolate Girl, etc. Songs that we heard from before. This sounded like a totally different singer, different group. And by the way, I don't know if I, yeah, my, 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 I'll, I'll go into uh, the Scott brothers, uh, the, uh, Scotty Scott and, 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 and Walter Scott in a minute. But, uh, we didn't we, when they when the Vaughn Harper came back from the from commercial break, he didn't mention who sang yours your what's been missing from my life. We didn't know until five, six months later when we heard the song again on The Quiet Storm. When Vaughn Harper finally said that that, that was the whispers from nineteen seventy one, you're what's been missing from my life. And then we were we were like wow and then starting in 1985 when i was 17 years old i began buying old school audio cassettes of all my favorite artists the shy lights the whispers the temptations i started my little collection and i got a massive audio cassette collection that i have in storage from time to time i've posted it on twitter and by the way i have a new twitter account ladies and gentlemen uh, before I continue with my story on the whispers, you know, we have a lot of catching up to do because since the last time I had one of these uh, tribute podcasts, my Twitter, my Twitter account, my original Twitter account, Robert Silver 5768 has been suspended. I'm not going back to it. Fuck them. It was about a I was several people complained about a tweet I did about uh, King Vaughn. You want to hear my the total story? Check out my Hitman Chronicles boxing podcast, the one that says Usyk, U-S-Y-K, Dubois. The first 15 minutes, I talk extensively about how I got banned, and you guys want to laugh. Um, shout out to my Philly brother, the legendary barber, Toot the Barber. I want to dedicate this episode to his great mom, one of the one of the great queens of Philadelphia. She did a phenomenal job raising a great family, and Toot is a great product of great parents. So I just want to shout out Toot's mom. She has listened and she has given feedback to uh, Toot about the Donny Hathaway episodes, the Denise Williams episodes so far, and I know the Whispers is maybe her favorite group. So shout out to the philadelphia queen the philadelphia goddess and i will not talk about that rant on here with all respect to her i'm going to be very respectful so for you to, you people that want to hear the rant hitman chronicles podcast do the search you sick versus dubois the first 15 minutes and you'll hear why i was suspended and why i'm not going back to that um uh account and i created two new accounts 
Okay. You can follow me for those who want to follow me. For those who wondered what happened to me. Well, you've got the Legends of Sports and Music Twitter account I have, which is at Legends of S82332. And I also created my boxing podcast uh, Twitter account. And that is Hitman CHRO60580. Follow me on both platforms. So you guys, if you're listeners to both uh, podcasts, you can um, stay um, up to date with my latest episodes. The boxing podcast, Hitman Chronicles, comes out twice a week. Sometimes Saturday, mostly Sunday, many a time Monday, and always Wednesday. And The Legends of Sports and Music continues to be a weekly podcast. Every once in a while, I throw in a second podcast. Depends on when I finish this one, when I'll post this one. We'll see. I'm recording this on a Saturday morning, um, right before Labor Day. And now, let's continue with The Whispers Talk. The Whispers were formed in South Central L.A., 1963. The twins, right before their 20th birthday, Walter and Scotty Scott. And in a few weeks, they will be celebrating their 80th birthday. This year, they're celebrating their 60th year in music. There's only a few artists around that have been recording, groups that have been recording for over 60 years. The Whispers Now. The OJs and the Isley Brothers, Ronald and Ernie. That's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Longevity. And it's criminal that the whispers are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Isleys and the OJs are, and you can put the whispers on the same level. Now, the Isley Brothers, I've got to put above the OJs and the whispers because they were a band. They played their instruments and of course, Ronald, the great soul singer. The OJs, in my opinion, the greatest group of all time, R&B group, with with the great one-two punch. And when we look at the greatest one-two punches in soul and R&B music history, we're talking the Scotty Twins, Walter and Scotty Scott, Wallace, Scotty Scott. We're talking the OJs. Eddie LaVert and Walter Williams. We're talking Jodeci, KC, and JoJo. We're talking to t- the Temptations, whether it's David Ruffin and Eddie Kendricks or whether it's Dennis Edwards and Eddie Kendricks. And then we're talking about Earth, Wind, and Fire with uh, Maurice White and Philip Bailey. If you ask me to rank them, I'd have... Man, it's hard for me to differentiate Casey and JoJo from Gerald and Wall. I mean, they just, both are just incomparable uh, chemistry. And the Scotty Twins, I will have, the Scott Twins, I'll have as third. And the reason why those are my top three all-time one-two punches is you cannot stop you cannot um, compare the chemistry between brothers. The Scotty twins, <laughs> they were born twins, right? So their chemistry from the crib, straight up. And, of course, Casey and JoJo, brothers. Gerald Lever- I mean, Gerald LeVert, my bad. Eddie LeVert and 
Walter Williams are not biological brothers, but they are brothers in spirit. They are brothers in 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 life. They have known each other since they were in high school, and the bond between them two are so great that they've never broken up the OJs. They've done um solo albums but they never broke up the ojs because they have a brotherly love that is just as close as any brothers you've ever seen in music history we will talk more about the greatness of the whispers first we're going to play a couple of voice notes back to back from two of my most loyal listeners and two of my favorite contributors aja the writer and sugar rob hill from philly they will be talking about the greatness of the whispers rob's got a great story about how his parents introduced him to the uh to the whispers uh, music and they both talk about the greatness of i'm gonna make you my wife <laughs> we'll talk all about it on the other side hey uh hey robert um Thank you for inviting me to share my thoughts about The Whispers. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because while they have impacted my musical experience, um, they're not a group I listen to all the time. But I was okay with sharing my thoughts because they certainly um, are a special group, both um, vocally and energetically their music is romantic and fun um i mean i'm guaranteed to hear passion excitement and that self assuredness in a man that um knows how to love a woman and isn't afraid to do it I mean, when I think about some of the jams um, that they've produced, but, you know, some of the ballads, like, um, I'm going to make you my wife. I mean, that song, like, when it opens up, you think you're listening to um, something upbeat, and then it just trails off, like, that beat just slows down, and then it's just like, I'm going to make oh it's so romantic it's like can you imagine being with your man and he like throws that on for you it's like oh really (laughs) um it's just it's sweet it's romantic it's passionate it's exciting um and then you know they they had a lot of songs that you would dance to and the beat goes on rock steady you know um they're just and there's just so many their discography is extensive expansive um really good music i just think they are just like a great male vocal group um and full like full body meaning they had the look down their their suits their dancing um 
to the songs, you know, just really, it's like that classic guy group from back in the day and that they were able to continue to make music that was relevant, especially like in the eighties, um, says a lot about their talent. Um, so I'm gonna stop there because like I said, they're not a group I study a lot and I don't want to be rambling on and on and on and on and on. Um, but just to say that, yeah, I mean, they got it. They had it. They was the shit. Okay. And, um, now I'm trying to think like maybe they're going to fit with my musical selections for what I'm currently working on. So thank you again for inviting me to share. I'm interested in hearing everybody else's stories because I think y'all probably got more to say this time than I than I do um but thank you Robert and it's good seeing you back out there again I can't wait to hear your rant talk to you later yo yo what's going on OG Hitman Chronicles yo I'm sorry to hear about that bad from Twitter fam you know what I'm saying I was looking for you I was like where the OG at you know what I'm saying but you know it is what it is you know what I'm saying um the whispers yo man let me tell you (laughs) them yo they a little bit before my time I ain't going to lie, you know what I'm saying? But they was family, Joan, you know what I'm saying? When your mom and pops played, you know what I'm saying? Um, music, the whispers, yo, you know what I mean? Um, they, 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 yo, they, they synonymous with my step-pop mom. Um, I mean, um, yeah, his mom, crib, you know what I'm saying? Grandma Rose, yo. That house was, yo, that was everything, you know what I'm saying? That was a black house, yo, back in the day from... The food, cornbread, greens, banana pudding, you know what I'm saying? So back in the day, the music with the whispers, you know what I'm saying? Get me in um get me in the groove. Olivia, you know what I'm saying, rock steady, you know what I'm saying? Um to drama fights, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they was they was yo, my step pop family was the type of family, yo, they they lived hard, they partied hard, they loved hard, they fought hard. And they made up, you know what I'm saying, all in the same, yo. But them, the whispers, yo. I remember my mom went to see, um, I don't know, in between 84 and 86, yo. And the whispers, um, she was like, yo, Scotty was drunk as shit. Her, <laughs> yo, like you slurring words, you know what I'm saying? But, yo, the whispers, man, they, they one of them groups, man, for real, yo. That, I mean, if you, if, 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 that joint, you know what I'm saying, where um um I wanna be your wife, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's that John, I'ma make you my wife, yo. If you ever sing that song to a young lady, you know what I'm saying, and you get down on your knee, man, she got to be not feeling you to turn that down. Because that song right there, man. That is like um, one of the greatest proposal songs in the history of music. You know, maybe spend my life with with Tamia and 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 um, Eric Bonet, but that joint from the Whispers right there, yo, wanna make you my wife, yo. Man, goddamn, man, if you do that, yeah, you know I'm saying that's some shit right there um, that I can't see be a failure. But like I said, they was a group, yo, that always when I went to the bar, the old head Jones, top shelf, 56 and Market in Philly, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, old heads play them Jones, man. And let me tell you, yo, either they got up and, and started dancing or it was like, yo, let me get another shot. Yeah. <laughs> the heartbreak, you know what I'm saying? That's how that's how Scotty, you know what I'm saying, you know, blew on a, on, on on them tracks, yo. Um, so you know what I mean, OJ, you know what I mean, thanks for having me again. Yo, we love you. Please stay on Twitter, you know what I'm saying? And um, you know, um this is this is one joint right here with though we um we just gonna show love to the whispers, you know what I'm saying, and 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 everything, you know what I'm saying, that they produce, yo, cause like like I'm trying to tell you once again, it's mad heartbreak and mad love with they songs, yo. So, peace out from Philly, yo. Love y'all. One love. Hitman Chronicles. Stay up. Peace.
Man, beautiful tributes to the whispers from Aja and my fellow Rob from Philly, Sugar Rob, Sugar Hill Rob. Um, man, Rob, you had me laughing when you said that your mother went to see the whispers and Scotty Scott was up on the stage, stinking drunk. <laughs> Oh man, I can just imagine Scotty singing, I'm gonna make you my wife off of the truck. <laughs> oh, Rob, you make a great point as far as proposal songs. I think it is the greatest proposal song of all time. How often has great songs with the words, Will you marry me? so forth, spend my life? Great song with Eric Benet and uh, Tamia. Great duet. And I'm I'm not an Eric Benet fan. I, I that's the only song he ever did that I felt. Fuck that uh, light skin. I have a sexual uh addiction disease. Man, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Man, get the fuck out of here, Eric Benet. But the boy could sing, and that duet spent my life. Phenomenal song. Love that song. He killed it. He killed it. It's right up there with, I'm gonna make you my wife. Um, was it? I believe that song was used, I'm gonna make you my wife, in one of the, uh, uh, was it, was it, uh, Jill Scott and, and Homeboy that she left Richard T. Jones for? Um, shit, uh, why did I get married? Uh, wasn't that song the, uh, their winning song, I'm gonna make you. Man, it's such a beautiful song. Such a beautiful song. And I'm trying to remember the guy who wrote that song. I'm gonna make you. my. Uh, the guy who wrote that song, I believe, is the uh, cousin of the owner. The CEO of the Solar, Solar Records. Now, this was during a time when Dick Griffey and Don Cornelius came together and formed Soul Train Records. And you had groups like uh, Shalimar, The Whispers, get together and come to that uh, a record label, and then Soul Train Records became Solar Records. Don Cornelius sold his stake in the record company to Dick Griffey for $300,000 because Don Cornelius really didn't have the time to um, devote 
to help run a record label. And plus, his advisors, his financial advisors said that he was making a huge financial risk and mistake by joining in this venture, this record company venture with Dick Griffey. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a great series. Well, there was a great series. It ended after two seasons. It ended during the pandemic. American Soul, which was a look at Don Cornelius and Soul Train, um, played by the cat who played 50 Cent's son, Sean, in Power. And he was tremendous as uh, Don Cornelius. And they had some great guest stars. Uh, Kelly Rowland was phenomenal. The few times she played Gladys Knight. Uh, what's my girl's name? Um, she's half black, half Persian. What's, 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 what's my, uh, what the hell is her name? She had that great song, 3 a.m., Early Signs of Dementia. Anyway, she bodied playing Shaka Khan. She was phenomenal, despite the fact that she might be three, four inches taller than. Shaka Khan in real life, she was tremendous as Shaka Khan. So, I was thinking season three, if there would have been a season three, would have been on the record label being um, formed. And there would have been a Dick Griffey character or someone playing Dick Griffey coming into... Don Cornelius' life because Don Cornelius had a couple of dancers on there that were trying to sing, that were trying to promote their uh, their uh, singing career. And you had a brother and a sister who mother was played by Kelly Price. So I definitely could have seen season three where they would have had the formation of Shalimar or a group of, there was a group before Shalimar where one of the singers was in the group and then he was replaced, Gerald Brown. Gerald Brown was the original lead singer of Shalimar and then he was replaced by Howard Hewitt once they went to Solar Records, once Soul Train Records dissolved and it became Solar Records with Dick Griffey. Well, I went around the world to tell you this. Dick Griffey wound up marrying Carrie Lucas. And Carrie Lucas, we'll be talking about her later on in the podcast because she wrote the original lyrics to a song for Donnie. The song, the, the, the lyrics that weren't, um, th- that were different from what Donnie Hathaway wrote. And a song for Donnie, I'll talk about it more later on when we talk about a song for Donnie. In a song for Donnie, they used a lot of Donnie's original lyrics from This Christmas, and they uh, interloped Carrie Lucas's new lyrics for that. But anyway, back to uh, back to this song, I'm Gonna Make You My Wife, which was a phenomenal song. Um, I'm trying to remember what album it was on. I'm gonna make you my And it's the same album That Chocolate Girl was on It was the Open Up Your Love album And it was the last album That they recorded with Don Cornelius And Dick Griffey as head of Soul Train Before it transitioned to the Solar Records Wayne Bell wrote both Chocolate Girl And I'm Gonna Make You My Wife And 
I don't know why this brother didn't become an even bigger writer. He wrote hit songs for Shalimar, he, and he wrote hit songs for The Whispers. And Solar Records had a great array of songwriters and producers. Leon Silvers, Jam and Lewis, and then Babyface were all Solar Records writers. And we will be talking about Leon Silvers and Babyface as they played a huge part in the success of the Whispers throughout the the 1980s. Solar Records was a huge, huge success in the 1980s. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Solar Records went from being a disco and funk-heavy record label in the mid-70s when it first was Soul Train Records, then it became Solar. And then when the label went um, belly up in the early 90s, it was in the swing, a new Jack Swing. You had Babyface first two or three albums that were phenomenal new Jack Swing, contemporary R&B albums on Solar Records. Solar Records had a great run, and Dick Griffey also helped Suge Knight get in the door um, with The Chronic and um, The Chronic and... Deep co- the Chronic album and the Deep Cover soundtrack were both recorded at Solar Records, and Dick Griffey was a huge asset in Suge Knight, not only getting Death Row off the ground, but getting his foot in the record industry. So um, rest in peace to Dick Griffey, who died 13 years ago. He had a tremendous influence in the history of soul R&B music in the 1980s. Solar Records, in my opinion, was the number one black music label. If you remember the 60s, it was Motown. The 70s, it was Philly International. Well, the 1980s, it was Solar Records. And in the 1990s, it was LaFace Records. After 2000, uh, my memory done has done gone um, blank. <laughs> Who's the number one black label of the 2000s? I don't know. But I know the 60s, it was Motown. The 70s, it was Philly International. The 80s, it was Solar Records. And the 90s, it was La Face. We'll take it from that. Great song. Um, Aja, once again, you uh, were very uh, on point with your voice note and um i'm glad that we're taking these voice notes again we're back to this original way of doing the podcast and so we've got some more voice notes let me see who's up next um oh yes we're going to continue with the greatness of wayne bell's songwriting we're going to hear from my buddy from um Toledo, Ohio, Miss Chestnut. She's going to talk about how her family loved the whispers, especially her mother. Her love for Chocolate Girl. We're going to play Chocolate Girl. And then we're going to talk about her voice knowing Chocolate Girl on the other side. I usually start my voice notes out with saying the same thing about each artist or each group. 
saying that the artist of the group was a big deal in my household, and which is true, but I truly mean it. <laughs> when I say the Whispers was a big deal in my house growing up as a kid, not just in my house, but throughout my entire family, any gathering we've had or have, there's never an argument about who to play first. It's normally the Whispers. Their um, discography is it's unbelievable. They have, uh, I believe it's 25 albums. Um, I looked it up. I believe it's 25 albums. I, I knew it was a lot. I knew they had as maybe as many as the Isley Brothers. Um, but 25 albums of just great music. You can't even pick a favorite. But I can say whatever mood that you're in, <clears throat> whether you want to boogie or you want to just set the mood, chill back, light a couple candles, they have plenty, plenty of music uh, for that mood. I just want to say thank you to them for creating such great, timeless music. Uh, thank you, Rob, for having me. Um, I don't know if you could play Chocolate Girl. Real quick, Chocolate Girl I was listening to one day in my car, and it ex- it, it, it inspired me to write one of my, um, one of my poems uh, called Chocolate Goddess, but that's one of my favorite, favorite songs by The Whispers. Again, thank you. And shout out to them. Oh, and rest in peace uh, to Nick Codwell, the choreographer. Chocolate mm-hmm. 
dedication to the whispers and to a family, especially a mother from Miss Chestnut. Beautiful soul, beautiful woman, and a wonderful writer. As she mentioned, she's working hard on writing novels, and she loves writing poetry like myself. So her talking about Chocolate Girl really uh, hits me to the core. And um, before the next song, Olivia, I might bless us. I might bless the listeners with another poem. I haven't read, read a poem in a long time on this podcast. So for uh, Miss Chestnut, my sister from Toledo, I think I will bless you guys with a poem after I comment on Chocolate Girl. Chocolate Girl is a beautiful ode, once again, written by Wayne Bell. A beautiful ode to black women. I love when artists, black men, write about their love of black women. And I've spoke about a few of those songs throughout the entirety of my series here on the Legends of Sports and Music. Ebony Eyes by Rick James and Smokey Robinson, which is ironic that those two brothers wrote a song and sung a song about a beautiful black woman or beautiful black women. Ebony, lips soft as tender. You're brown as the sand. <laughs> when both of them historically dated predominantly white women. <laughs> anyway back to songs about beautiful black women. My all-time favorite Tevin Campbell song is an ode to black women, Brown Eyed Girl. Brown Eyed Girl, I love you so. I love, I love Brown Sugar by D'Angelo. I love when a artist or a group sing about beautiful black women, right? We need more of that. We need more odes to black women from singers. And I'm not talking about misogyny. No, fuck that. I'm talking about giving the great, giving the great love and great attributes of black women, the most beautiful creatures God has ever created. And I don't care from what country, from what region, American, Canadian, Jamaican, Trini, Bayesian, South African, Ethiopian, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, Brazilian, Colombian, if they are brown skin, if they are dark skin, if they are caramel, if they are high yellow, I love them. I have dated in my 36 years of dating women, because I started really dating when I was 19. Um, from 13 to 18, I had a few dabbles here and there, but nothing serious. From 19 to now, so we're talking 36 years. I have dated chocolate women that were from the Dominican Republic. Of course, Puerto Rican, and I'm a black Puerto Rican. Predominantly African-American. Trini. Guyanese. Jamaican. Never dated a Canadian chick. 
So I have been blessed to date some very beautiful black women. And man, despite despite how things might have ended, despite the turmoil I might have gone through while with all of these women, I would never trade dealing with them over dealing with another race. It's black women or bust for me, period, end of story. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm 55 now. Let's say in a year, two, three, four, five years from now, if you find out or if I post pictures of me with a a caucasoid, Commit me to an asylum because dementia has taken over. <laughs> oh, let me see if I can find that one of them poems that um I was talking about. And I'm gonna go to my email. Um, Chocolate Girl is an amazing song, and the Scott Twins. Oh, and I forgot to mention, and you know, you'll have other uh voice notes talk about the great harmony by the backup singers, whether it's Nicholas Caldwell, who also was the main choreographer for the group. And you see the moves that uh, the Whispers made when I first saw them on Soul Train. I could not believe how in sync they were. And we'll talk more about this with And The Beat Goes On. Um it's a love thing, and even a song for Donnie, how they were in sync, like the Temptations, like the Dells, with their movement on stage. Man, it was immaculate. The OJs, the the stage performance was is part of the greatness of the Whispers because on stage, throughout the entirety of their career. They've moved majestically on stage. And we're not talking Michael Jackson, Usher, Chris Brown dance moves. We're talking, because they're mostly balladeers, the movement, the smooth movements and how everybody's in sync, like the Temptations, like the Dells, like the OJs. All right, let me find some poems here. I got so many poems, it's not funny. I want to read a poem that, and I've written uh, the black. I've read the black woman on the podcast before. I, I think on two different occasions. I don't want to do that again. What I want to do is see if this draft is up. I have an old draft. My iMac crashed a few uh, three years ago, and my brother tried to save everything he could. He couldn't save everything. He couldn't re- not save everything. He couldn't um, recoup everything that I lost. I had a um, I had a what you call it? I had a uh, file that was just my poetry alone, and I that's lost. But I do have notes on emails of poems I've sent to myself or to ex girlfriends, and I'm trying to find a poem that's appropriate. My computer, of course, is slow. Sense of having um, um high speed internet if it if your iMac keeps stalling. <laughs> Let me keep going. Let's see if I can find this. 
anyway, back to a back to Staten about men, black men writing about their love for black women. We need more of that in music. And oh, even Tupac. They say the and and keep your head up. That's an ode to black woman. That's an ode to black woman. That's a beautiful older black woman. Maybe the most beautiful song ever written about black women by a rapper uh, performed was Keep Your Head Up. All right, now this is it's finally working. So let me see if I can find an appropriate poem to read. Let me see. Chocolate girl, Wayne Bell. I we, Wayne Bell doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Um, more should be spoken about him. And I, when I do a Shalimar episode, I will bring him up also because he wrote a couple of their major hits. Love Wayne Bell. And now, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, let me take a quick break. I really want to bless the pod with a poem. So I'm going to stop recording here, and I'm going to come right back after I find the appropriate poem to uh, sign off this segment and to start off the next segment. Okay, I found a poem that can combine the beauty of a beautiful woman like Chocolate Girl with the struggles of the woman that we will hear in the song Olivia after I play, after I read this poem. So I'm going to read this poem, and then we're going to go right into the song Olivia. The name of the poem that I wrote, and I wrote this June 5th, 2001. The name of the poem is called Survivor by Roberto Silva Jr. Let me tell you the story of a girl. A girl who grew up in a world. A world surrounded by drugs, crime, and death. There wasn't a time she could catch her breath. Daddy left home when she was a mere eight. Mama was a drunk, so what was her fate? Her three brothers were murdered by drug dealers. She was a stutterer battling teasers. Her stepdad whipped mama's ass every day. They lived in a house that was pure decay. She had an abortion at age 15. Good thing the father turned out a fiend. She vowed not to put her children through this, so she, so she decided to handle her biz. She decided not to become a fool. First, she graduated from high school, was accepted to a major college. Education would give her great knowledge. At 25, she got her PhD. At 30, she was finally married. Today, she's a professor and a writer. Now, that is what I called. No, that is what I call a survivor.
who was turned out by a pimp, turned to prostitution, and her life was never the same. Ladies and gentlemen, I've known a few women that became prostitutes or were prostitutes, and none of it ended positively. <sighs> um, I mentioned on the Tina Marie podcast, available here on the Legends of Sports and Music, that when I turned 13, for my 13th birthday, my father had a woman who dabbled in some prostitution. I didn't know. Um, I talked all about it on the story on on the podcast. You could check that out the, the the entire story. But she had a thing for my father, and so my father used that for her to sleep with me on my 13th birthday. Well, a few years later, she was murdered by her her ex-boyfriend she was doing prostitution and he found out and he beat her then she broke up with him and he wanted her back and when she refused to go back to him he murdered her uh my I had uh, I had uh, two uh, ex-girlfriends. One happens to be the mother of my beloved son, my beloved son who passed away March of 2022 last year. But before I talk about her prostitution, let me talk about uh, the first girlfriend I had inside my teenage years. Um, her name was, uh, let me, hold on. Um, she, uh, damn, I, this woman has the strength of a, a, a thousand, a, a thousand, a thousand women, Sharon. I was 17, she was 16, and we would date, we dated for a few uh, months. Um, then a year later when I went to, uh, Loyola, 
university in New Orleans when I turned 18 after I graduated from high school. And then when I came back in 1988 for a few months before going back for one more semester before coming back totally in 1989, she had begun selling her ass for crack. She became a crack addict. And Sharon was this voluptuous, thick beauty when I was dating her. When I saw her, she wasn't even 100 pounds again in 88, 89, 90, 91. This is the woman I talked about on previous podcasts that would sleep in front of my uh, apartment door, my parents' apartment door, and um, my parents called the cops on her. Because she kept sleeping in front of her door. My mother told her, just because my my son used to fuck you, don't mean you could sleep in front of our door. <laughs> I don't wanna I don't wanna joke. I don't wanna joke. This is a serious uh conversation. It was uh I don't know, I believe around 1993, 1994, she was convicted of prostitution and um possession of crack cocaine. And while in prison, she discovered that she was HIV positive. She came out of prison in 1996, and she had gained all her weight back, even though she was HIV positive. Her son, Nathan, never knew who his father was because it was one of several. uh, It could have been one of any uh, of the dudes she slept with to get crack. Nathan, since he was 13 years old, has led a life of crime. I ran into Nathan last, last time I ran into Nathan was nine years ago. He was in my Harlem neighborhood. I was with my then girlfriend at the time, Vonette. I introduced him to her and I gave him $20. He told me he had just gotten out of prison. Now, Nathan was born in 1990. So Nathan would have been 24 at this time. He, hopefully, if he's still alive, he's 33. He told me he was you know, trying to get a good, a new start. I gave him twenty dollars. I said, "Look here, go, go, uh, go, uh, go do what you got to do." And I gave him my number. Said, "If you need a job, give me a call." He never called me, and my instinct tells me he went back to a life of crime. He was selling crack, and he had multiple arrests. And to see him at twenty four, still on the street, was uh, at least. I could see that he was still alive nine years ago. His mom is still alive because from time to time, I talk to her sister, Keisha. And um, Keisha says, yeah, she's, uh, and I'm 55. She's 54. So she's had HIV now for 30 years. And she has a, uh, She has survived. She has survived. She ha- I mean, she is a survivor. And the poem I read was uh, ridiculous. Was ridiculous in how it wasn't about her. But when I think back, I said, you know what? Uh. You could actually make the parallel. I wasn't thinking about her when I wrote the poem. The poem was just me talking about, that's the poem I read before the song, about uh, women that 
overcome adversity, overcome struggle. Now she didn't accomplish any of that stuff, but Sharon got her life together. She met a good dude, an, another ex-con who was getting his life together, and he tried to be a father to Nathan, but Nathan didn't want to listen to him. And I thought he was the perfect a role model for Nathan because he went and started doing construction work, was a car mechanic. He wasn't going back to the life of crime, and um, he used to go to my father for uh, advice on how to stay off the streets and how my father did it after my father got out of prison. And my father said, told him, look, bro, just, just uh, follow your instincts. Follow your instincts and don't, um, if you don't go for the fast money, if you ever need any help, you know, talk to me, talk to my son, Robert, we, 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 we will uh, guide you. So uh, that's a positive ending to someone who did prostitution. Now to the negative. Y'all, the regular listeners, the loyal listeners to this podcast have heard the trials and tribulations of me and my ex-girlfriend, the mother of my beloved son, Peter, uh, Missy, and how she uh, became a crack addict. As soon as she started smoking crack, I took my son and our belongings and I left her and I moved back in with my parents back in November of 1994. My son was two years old. And once I left her, she spiraled out of control. Um, She got back with the drug dealer she was with before I started dating her. and, And he was feeding her crack just to keep her. And then eventually he dumped her. And then she started selling her ass for crack. Eventually, she too was arrested and did, I believe, five, six months for prostitution and and, um, and, um, crack possession. And when she came out of prison, she went right back to what she was doing. And uh, unfortunately, my son has seen her in that state because he always loved his mother, even when she stole from him. And when my son came back from living in Florida six years ago, six and a half years ago, he tried and stay. He tried to stay with his mother because he was afraid to stay with me because. Well, it's a long story short. I was against him moving to Florida. He moved to Florida as soon as he turned 21 and got a $35,000 settlement from when he broke his leg in a school playground when he was nine nine years old. I wanted him to invest that money, put it put put a put put the bulk of it away and just work and he could stay with me. He wasn't paying any rent, but no. He thought he knew better and you know what? It was his decision. I'm not going to get on it right now. I was angry at the time, but what could I do? But he, middle of the night, he packed his belongings, got on a plane, and went to Miami. When he came back, dead broke, he had blown all of that money. He stayed with her because he was afraid that I would judge him, and I understand. But he didn't last two weeks there because she was going through his bag. She was stealing stuff from a dude who was broke and didn't even have a job yet. So he moved back in with me. She has brain cancer. 
and she's also 54 and she looks horrendous she showed up at the service we had when we uh last march when we cremated my uh beloved son and y'all seen doja cat right you see how skinny doja cat is right now and how Im- 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 <laughs> She makes today's Doja Cat look look like the Doja Cat a few years ago. That's how skinny and and drawn out and definitely that she the deaf looking that she is. Oh my God! So uh, I just wanted to share those two stories, ladies and gentlemen, about prostitution turned bad. Oh, there was three stories, three stories um, of three women that I was was involved with. When I hear Olivia, I think of those three women. And you had one that died, that was murdered by her ex-boyfriend, one who turned her life around, got with a good dude, and is still living and loving life. And another one who never could try and overcome her addictions and just... It's tragic. It's just tragic how, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize if this sounds harsh, but I don't give a fuck. My son, my son was twenty nine when he passed away from a from alcohol poisoning combined with uh, cocaine in his system, while his bitch of a mother is still alive, despite all the time, all the all the illegal shit she's done or the people she's stole, stolen from. I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right, let's get back up on some positive stuff. Let's get on. Let's, let's get some joy in this podcast. We're going to have James from Detroit and Kamani from um, down south. They're going to talk about the greatness of the whispers. James is going to do a great breakdown of And the Beat Goes On. Kamani's also going to talk about And the Beat Goes On and the greatness of the whispers. And then we're going to play back-to-back disco hits by the whispers. And the beat goes on, and it's a love thing. And we will come back and talk all about it on the other side. The mighty, mighty, mighty whispers. Come on. Them Scott boys, Walter and Scotty, come on. Along with the late, great Nicholas Caldwell, great choreographer. The late, great Marcus Hudson. Big, tall Lavelle Degree, right? And uh, an original member uh, who passed away recently, Gordy Harmon. Whispers, man. One of my favorite groups um, of all time now. Actually, um, first time I remember seeing them visually was... um, the same time I first heard Distant Lover by Marvin Gaye. It was on the Soul Train. The best was Soul Train. Uh, it was part of a box set, but I saw like one DVD that was by itself at a Target one day. And I got my mom to buy it for me. <laughs> and we sat and watched it that night, me, my mom, my godmother. And uh, I think the Marvin Gaye, it was the Marvin Gaye episode from 1934. It was the one he did, Come Get to This Distant Lover, just promoting the, the Let's Get It On album. And on that same episode, they said in the beginning, hey, 60 minutes of nonstop, you know, music, 
Across the tracks of your mind in the excited world of soul with guest stars Marvin Gaye, The Whispers, and the Soul Train Gang. And I saw, you know, them doing a little stuff. They cut it to them, you know, to see part of the episode that they were doing. And um, I was like, man, they look kind of fly. Like, they, like the, the choreography looked kind of smooth in that little snippet that I saw. So I was like, okay, man, I'll, I'll get into them soon. Uh, and uh, fast forward a couple years later when their Unsung episode dropped, they was like, oh, okay, okay. So, rewind just a little bit. I remember hearing And the Beat Goes On and Rocksteady uh, on the radio uh, sometimes, not knowing that it was The Whispers until I watched that unsung. And they, they you know, they talked about the beginning stages and um, Joe's like, seems like I got to do wrong and only meant to wet my feet, mother for my children, what more can a girl ask for? Needle in a haystack, like all those like early cuts when they were coming up. Like they weren't no big group, but like locally, they they were like they just kept it going. And and, and shout out to Don Cornelius and Dick Griffin for keeping them on social. I think like like the only from like season one to around season like eighteen, they were on Soul Train every single season. And I used to do. I, I remember when I was I used to do. I think I was around thirteen. I used to do like Soul Train playlists by season, and season you know, and they were there for every single season from like nineteen seventy one to like nineteen eighty eight somewhere. And they came on again later in the 90s. And then once when Scotty had like a, I think they had a, just the twins had an album. So they were on Soul Train more than anybody, I think, if I'm not mistaken. They have the most appearances on the show, if I'm not mistaken. But back to what I was talking about, I think that's where I really started honing on the whispers, especially like their early stuff, like before they really hit it big. Like even like Jones like Lofton turned out. And, you know, just as time went on, like I was just, you know, get into more cuts about them. I'm just like, man, they got so many gems that not a lot of people know about. And, you know, and granted, this is before they really hit it big again. Um, and I was just so intrigued by their, their, their style. And, you know, they were just so suave. Like, and the whisper, I forgot. And there was a story of how they got the name of the whispers, you know, when they, you know, and that was in regards to like their harmony. You know. That's another aspect. Their harmonies, like they, they're so like jazz infused when they when they hit them harmonies. Like it's just so beautiful. Um, oh, there's another joint. If you feel like coming home, that's my jam. Um, and of course, Nicholas Caldwell. When I when they would say like how he would you know choreograph and I would see them dance on social, I'm like man, the footwork is just crazy. Like and this was something that. And this is me being a Temptations fan, as you know, you know, and I see them stepping, how they were stepping. I'm like, man, like Nicholas would have them like moving them feet like crazy. I'm just like, this is steps that I can't, that I couldn't even emulate, you know, that's how great of a choreographer Nicholas Caldwell was. And also him, you know, find out that he wrote Lady and Say Yes. I'm just like, man, like everybody had like a significant role in that group, you know, of course, Walter and Scott are going to do what they do, but them three brothers in the back we're going to step and harmonize like crazy and their dynamic is just so beautiful and uh and i love the dynamic with walter and scotty because um you can never tell <laughs> who's singing lead on what because i think they both have they both have like the same vocal nuances the same tones and everything but i think i'm starting to notice now a little bit i think um scotty's more on the high end and then walter does like most of like the baritone stuff you know, I might be wrong on that. I don't know. Because sometimes, 
when I would see performance of them, they would be lip syncing <laughs> together, <laughs> or they would be singing the same notes together, like in unison. I'm just like, okay, so who's really like taking charge in this song? Who's really taking charge in that song? You can never tell sometimes. And that's the funny thing with the whispers. Um, and I really got into, I got into more of their discography around last year this time. You know, with the the the, the stuff that really got them catapulted. You know, with Solar. And you know, with Leon, his stuff, their stuff with Leon Silvers and stuff like. Of course, I knew when the beat goes on, song for Donnie. But hearing cuts like "Welcome to My Dream" and uh, "Emergency" and uh, "Cruising In," "Keep Your Love Around," you know, "Keep On Loving Me" was another joint that they play on the radio that I didn't know was them until I got into it. Um, hey, Scotty. <laughs> um, and again, also. Uh, what was another one? It was so, they just have so many great gems, upbeat and ballads. They were very consistent in both arenas with the up tempos and the ballads. They're a very well balanced group, and they are just so amazing. And hopefully, when they come to town here in Nashville, hopefully, um, I need to try to see them as much as possible. I think I hope Lavelle's doing well. I think I haven't seen him on stage with the twins like that uh often so i hope he's doing fine um love their episode on r&b money uh, and i just love how um they're, they're really a family like i think when when they i remember them saying when marcus passed away that they vowed never to replace him and i think the same thing went along with nicholas when he passed away in 2016 like and you say we're just gonna stay the whispers you know until there are no more whispers around so that's you know definitely want to give them their flowers because that that's the group right there that really paid their dues um because i remember saying i remember seeing on the other episode when they're recording the beat goes on they're recording the beat goes on this man they were like man if this don't work out we're just gonna go out and get jobs because we've been out here for like what 15 years now and we ain't had no big hit yet yeah it's time it's, it's time to start a new but God, <laughs> but the higher power said otherwise, and they just—it was just on from there. And then you know they just—they're just a true epitome to sticking to the race, because the race ain't given to the swift and the strong. Hey, hello, <laughs> but to the ones that endure to the end, and they're—they're just—and they're still enduring. You know, they're still doing it, they're still doing it, and um, I applaud them for it. Again, one of my favorite groups of all time. Um, still getting more into this, but the cuts that I have heard ranging from 1970 to around 1987. So many gems, so many great highlights vocally. Seeing them on stage is magical. And they just, they just do what they do well. And that's what I got to say about the Mighty, Mighty Whispers. One of California's finest. Amen. See y'all. Peace. The Whispers have always been those guys that have been um, really, <laughs> really professional, right? They've always been uh, super swagged out, super cool, and super what I what I just uh, a professional um, male R&B group of the time, right? And even into the late '70s, into the early '80s, when they were doing their music, they were still doing. 
uh, things in their performances that was of times recent from the 60s. You know, the incredible footwork, the choreography between the the overall group itself when they were actually performing to just how they layered their voices on the tracks when they were actually making music. And I think the essence of that is what make their music so timeless because we still yearn for that harmonious, cool R&B sound even still to this day. We might consider it classic music, but it's still something that we can hear, we can turn on, we can vibe to and enjoy. And in most cases, it don't sound dated at all, especially to me. So what's up, Legends of Sports and Music, the podcast. Talk to y'all on the wall. I'm happy to actually be back. Big shout out to the homie Rob Silver for, of course, dropping the content, of course, giving us this intimate space to discuss music. And today we're going to be talking about the whispers and some of the you know reasons why I particularly enjoy their music. And as I mentioned before, as I opened up, I, I think their their timeliness in their music is what's the most attractive appeal to me and the overall stage presence. And when they're performing, when they're singing, you can just tell it's professional. It's cool. It's got the swag. It got everything that you can want. But I want to dive deep into one of the one of my favorite songs of all time. And I think one of the most um, prime examples of what it means to actually be in the pocket when it comes to rhythm as far as music is concerned and that song is and the beat goes on okay um i know a lot of times when you're probably searching it it gets confused with the sunny and share uh <laughs> the beat goes on but i'm talking about and the beat goes on by the whispers that's the true version uh to me and this is an example of what i'm talking about right this track was released in 1979 where funk was transitioning over to the early 80s, to the late 70s, early 80s sound, but this still had that R&B funk uh, kind of dance track, or I should say dance, R&B dance track bones in the actual music itself, although it incorporated some of the newer style elements as, like I mentioned before, synthesizers and things like that were starting to get better in the late 70s, early 80s, technology was getting better. They still had some of those classic elements that are that is just really hard to miss and i'm going to talk about two things um very early in the song that just throws you in the mood number one the actual the the crack of the snare and right into the crash right into the cymbal off the top instantly turns the rhythm on of the song like it's no build up it's it's snare crash we right into the beat and that's what your body feels as the introduction to the music and as you're ramping up you got those first set of bars as you're ramping up the bass which is one of the coolest bass lines um that was probably ever written and then you got the use of the sin the synth in there and this kind of a swell sound that comes in between the first couple bars and what i mean by swell i mean it's a physical swell right it's a synthesizer sound that goes from quiet and it kind of ramps up its sound almost what they call is like a riser that's what the swell is that you're hearing uh with the synth that quiet run of a note that's very quiet you can't hear it and then it gets really loud and then you get it followed up with one of the coolest funk guitar riffs out there in existence and what makes this uh, guitar riff and really the guitar playing and the bass playing throughout the entire song is that they have uh, this technique that's really called palm muting. And this palm muting or string muting or chord muting is what gives you this chunky like 
this this chunky train rhythm behind it that it can really allow you to stay in the pocket of the music without having too many notes that start to bleed over that could start to drown out the bass, drown out the keys, drown out the synth, or even drown out the vocals of the artist, right? It's purposely met with um, mute, muting certain strings and playing partial chords, although you're playing the full chord, it, you hear this mute, so it gives almost this pluck sound that doesn't have a note. But what you can do that if you're a great rhythm guitarist or you got a great song that you're that, that has been written that you're playing, you can almost create a to make the guitar a percussive instrument. You know, you think about now Rogers, one of the you know one of my all-time favorite as far as rhythm guitarists. Um, he is just the the master at this tonality and this sound. So you get this really rhythmic pocket between the bass the drums the synthesizer on both ends both the chords being played and then a little um accompaniments like the swells the trills and things like that and you're just locked in right you're locked in from the start and i know it's a lot to say but i mean that's even before the first uh vocal lyric is even sung you are you are locked in so the song itself um you know i let uh the big homie Rob touching to more of the lyrics. I'm not going to dive too deep, but the song is of a very motivational spirit. Um, it's about, you know, dusting yourself off, keeping your head up high, you know, keep going type of vibe as you dive through the lyrics, which I think lends itself, the, the content of the lyrics lends itself very positively to a very upbeat dance track because not only are you are you vibing and grooving to the music itself subconsciously you like the way the lyrics actually feel and i feel that's what that's another element of the magnetism to the song and the beat goes on i mean when you think about it i mean the the actual song was co-written by leon uh, silvers and if you're familiar with him um, you know, he, he worked a lot with Teddy Riley. He did some things with Blackstreet, you know, he got music. He's got his, he's got his, uh, his stripes earned from late seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, all the way through America, a crazy, like great American songwriter, um, that wrote some of my favorite tracks. Um, but what I'll say about this song in general, so I don't go on too long is that, you know, these classic elements, right? The classic bridge that that is in the middle of the the track itself it also has that synthesized or you could say orchestra hit in there very slightly to build the anticipation and build the resolve of when you land back on the beat you know in the song and the beat goes on it almost gives you this yearning for the song never to end and although metaphorically speaking in the lyrics right and the beat goes on is different than musically as the beat goes on i believe you're hearing them it meshes together subconsciously hits you and you just kind of want it to continue that's why this is one of the songs although it might be a little bit lengthy as far as um musicianship they they ride the pocket and next thing you know it's six plus minutes pass and you you don't want it to end you want to run it back these this is one of those tracks that's at the uh does it the cookouts at the barbecues that you hear everybody start saying play it again this is what it is i think that the the classic uh r&b dance um i guess you could say r&b dance type of track the upbeat the positive lyrics i mean those are elements that will always reside to anybody who loves music. But I think what we should do is take a deeper look at 
you know, we should take a deeper look. And that's why I enjoy the Legends of Sports and Music podcast, because we that's what we do here. And big up to the big homie, the guy, Rob Silver, for allowing me to contribute again to the week here. Um, I will end on just a kind of a tidbit or a side note, right? Um, one thing that I've mentioned before in other voice notes is it's how the guitar is a mid-range instrument, right? And then when you think about the deepness of the vo of the bass, you think about the actual, um, I guess you could say the very sharp percussiveness of the drums. And then you think about the higher pitch harmonies that come from the group and the synthesizer. You can see how the guitar, although it's not the one that generates the beat, that's the bass and the drum, but the guitar provides this glue. It provides this pathway between the different sounds. And I think that's why the rhythm guitar in this particular song is in fact the most important instrument in this particular music arrangement. So listen out for that. Listen to the intricacies of the actual rhythm guitar in this song and pay attention to it. I think you, you guys will discover something special. So that's it for me. That's your boy James coming straight out of Detroit. Appreciate you guys. Love you all. Talk to you next time. Peace.
Yeah. 
Yes, I love it when James breaks down a song to the science. The music theorist of the legend of sports and music. The professor of music theory, Dr. James Anderson. Beautifully done. Breaking down. Breaking down. And the beat goes on. And Kamani. What I love about Kamani. He's a young man. 22, 23 years old. But when he. Since a little boy. Finds a single or group. That catches his ear. He goes and he listens to everything from yesteryear. And. His love of the whispers is wonderful for such a young man. And later on in the podcast, you'll hear a story about a, a man, even younger, a boy, not a man, a child, even much younger than the young old soul that Kamani is. you hear a story about that coming up in a voice note by my brother, Michael Angel. Let me talk about the greatness of these two songs. I mean, Kamani and James really broke down the songs and the only thing I want to add is my historical perspective on it because I was 11 years old when I first saw And The Beat Goes On on Soul Train and I was 12 years old when I saw them do uh, It's A Love Thing on Soul Train and by the way Kamani is 1000% correct for the first 17, 18 years of Soul Train the whispers were on every year and they were the only group that was on every year and even after dick griffey and don cornelius parted ways on soul train records and then it became solar records he still had the whispers on his show one thing about don cornelius even if things didn't work out he knew ratings he knew what his audience and the fans wanted to hear wanted to to see and he made sure that the whispers stayed whispers stayed a staple as long as they were churning out hits. And and the beat goes on was part of the album that saved the whispers career and really catapulted Solar Records into the upper echelon of black music labels. And they would be the number one music label in the nineteen eighties with the whispers, Shalimar, Climax, then the deal, Babyface. You had a phenomenal roster of groups, and that's why they were the Motown and Philly International of the 1980s. And the Beat Goes On is a great disco song, one of the great disco songs of that era. And disco, this was in disco's dying age. And the Beat Goes On and It's a Love Thing were two of the last great disco hits not done by Donna Summer, not done by the Village People. Not done by Gloria Gaynor. Infectious, upbeat tempo songs. And the beat goes on everlasting. And the beat goes on, written by Leon Silvers, who was part of that incredible songwriting team that Solar Records had, that Dick Griffey put together with his wife, Carrie Lucas. Songwriters like his wife, Carrie Lucas, will be talking about her in a few uh, segments. Leon Silvers, who was a master singer-songwriter. Remember his group, the Silvers, in the mid-'70s, where they were trying to... I remember as a kid, on the playground, the second and third grade, we were arguing about who was the better family group, the Silvers or the Jacksons. That's how huge the Silvers had gotten in the black communities throughout the United States in the mid-'70s. But Leon Silvers, 
after the group broke up, became a massive, super-duper songwriter, producer. He was phenomenal. And and The Beat Goes On was the record that not only turned Solar Records around, it turned The Whispers around, and The Whispers then went on a great run of hits on Solar Records throughout the 1980s. It's a Love Thing was their first big hit of the 1980s. And another infectious disco. It's a love thing. It's a love. <laughs> the Scott brothers kill it on both. And then the choreography. Nicholas Caldwell, may he rest in peace, was the main songwriter before the group went to Solar Records. When the group was struggling on Janice Records and at, on independent labels, he was the main songwriter. And he was also the choreographer, and he was the one that orchestrated all the great moves that you saw on both In The Beat Goes On and It's A Love Thing, and you will see his great, uh, his great, uh, how do you say it, uh, choreography on on some um, ballads that we'll talk about later on in the podcast. There's not much more I could add to these great disco songs. All I know is when I was 11 years old, I loved them. The beat goes on, but I was 12 years, 12 years old. I loved It's a Love Thing, excuse me. And these were the first two songs that I heard WBLS in New York play by the Whispers on a regular rotation. Oh, Lord, sorry. I'm under the weather a little bit here. Ah, I'll be... My voice is better. I had a sore throat. I was coughing. I'm not coughing anymore, but I'm sneezing. Anyway, back to up. And the beat goes on. It's a love thing. Those were the first two songs that got regular rotation when I was a kid on WBLS radio in New York. And I was like, wow. And then, of course, I saw their performances on Soul Train. And this is when I became a super duper fan of The Whispers. I had already been a fan, but this is when I was like, look, I'm going to always, when I hear these people, support them and try and, and buy their albums. It was around this time, was it around this time? I mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, uh, it was around this time that a song for Donnie came out. And I'll talk about that later on because that was a powerful song. And it moved my mother to tears, but we'll talk about that later on. Right now, I want to go to a voice note from my brother, Michael Angel. He's going to talk about a great story concerning the song Lady by the Whispers. And when we come back, I'm going to touch upon what I love about Michael's voice note and the song on the other side. A couple of months ago, my mother was celebrating her 70th birthday and she had family and friends over to help her celebrate and uh, one of my mom's friends brought her grandson with her uh, he was like nine years old so me and my brother and sister we tried to entertain him with our phone and stuff because hell he didn't want to be there but you know he's a he's a grandma's boy so after he got tired of looking at YouTube videos and trying to find games on my phone that he could play. He asked me if I had Spotify. Uh, 
Yeah, I got Spotify. So he took the phone and by him by his nine year old self typed in the whispers, then typed in lady, then proceeded to sing the song just like he was a member of the group. I kid you not, this nine-year-old boy was singing Lady like he was 25, like he had been through something and felt heartbreak and love and all that other kind of stuff. It it blew my mind. Uh, and and that's, that's what kind of group the Whispers are. It's for all ages. They are, um, I used to say they were, they kind of fell into the uh, Frankie Beverly category of being underrated, but they're not. Uh, Black America loves and appreciates them, uh, just like we do Frankie. And, you know, they don't have to come out with an album, a new album. They can go on tour and sell out places with just old material. One of my this is one of my favorite groups, uh, especially an old school group. You know, they never, and they stayed together. You know, they never replaced members. Of course, they've had some uh, some death, but they never, publicly it was never known that they were, had a lot of infighting or anything like that, you know. And they continue strong from what? From the 60s up until now. Uh, my brother saw them him him and his wife saw them about a year ago and he said they were fantastic you know the, these uh uh the whispers and Frankie Beverly and just the OJs groups like that know how to put on the show and they're true artists true performers you know so you don't uh you don't waste your money going to see them but this is definitely one of my favorite groups uh and I'm glad that they're getting their flowers Only you can 
Mike's testimony about that nine-year-old boy singing Lady like he was a 25-year-old is a testament to what type of music you grew up listening to. Even now, this boy is nine years old in 2023. The impact is already felt on this boy. This boy, who's nine years old, is going to be a fan of soul R&B music for the rest of his life because that's what he's being fed by his parents and his grandparents. We all like the music we like because of what our parents played for us when we were little children. I grew up 
listening to R&B and soul because my mother loved R&B and soul. She played that. She barely played any salsa music in the house, even though we were black Puerto Ricans. The music she bought, the music she played were Gladys Knight, Donnie Hathaway, Teddy Pendergrass, the OJs, etc. I got my taste of music from my mother. Now, of course, when I was 11 years old, the first mainstream hip-hop song, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang came out. Yeah, I thought it was okay, but I didn't become a real fan until the following year, 1980, when I heard Super Rapping by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Super Rhyme by Jimmy Spicer, and The Breaks by Curtis Blow. And so now, I love this new music called hip-hop alongside my soul music, and my parents were never fans of, of hip-hop. So I was able to love both, even though my love for R&B soul music totally totally overshadows whatever love i used to have for hip-hop music i don't love hip-hop music anymore i'll play the hip-hop ballads from the past but that genre is trash and i'm going to tie this into the nine-year-old boy that michael gave his phone to so he could listen to and sing lady i love lady which and then i'll talk about the song lady in itself Young people today listen to the worst type of misogynistic, crime-written hip-hop that's been ever made, that's ever been made. And why, unfortunately, in the black and brown communities, we have a lot of single mother parent households. And the music they're playing reflects on the music their children are listening to 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 this day. And now, and I've always said this, the government and the corporations know the impact that music plays on our society, especially the urban communities throughout the country. And so they feed through radio, through streaming, through social media, through music videos, through television series. Mr. John, misogynistic lyrics and crime-written lyrics. It used to be when I was in my teens throughout my 20s, from the 80s to the end of the 90s, that a lot of hip-hop songs that had crime in the song was a tale of what would happen to you if you go into this, into this, uh, if you go into this way of life. They weren't glorifying it. Now it's all glorification, all glorification. And I can't listen to it. I cannot listen to it. I don't give a fuck how good the beat is. I'm not listening to it. When I was raising my beloved son, we didn't listen to, I didn't listen to that shit in front of him. No, we played Kanye. We played Lupe Fiasco. We played the Fat Boys, Eric B and Rakim. And we played a lot of soul music. And so when my son got to an age before and up until when he passed away last year 29 his music was very eclectic he had he was into so old school soul music old school rap that was not violent latent he never listened to that shit and he uh loved his um alternative rock you got to uh ladies and gentlemen and i'm not trying to preach i'm just being honest here 
Your children are going to listen to what you're listening to. And if you're listening to music that makes no fucking sense, music that is horror music, music that exploits our people, then they're going to love that music. Look, people make fun of Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny makes happy-go music, and he's got Latin America on lock. The king of Puerto Rico right now is Bad Bunny. My nephew is 18 years old. He loves Bad Bad Bunny. And you know what? He played a few songs for me, and I'm not into that type of music, but it is not criminal music. It's feel-good music. The beats are great, and... You can see why a Bad Bunny is dominating. You know, motherfuckers out there can make fun of Bad Bunny. That's not my type of music. But the dude is bringing back the good old days of happy-go-lucky music for his people. And his, look, I, I, I ain't mad of it. Afro beats the same way. Afro beats is not exploiting women. Uh, exploiting our community with drug-infested rap tales. No, Afro Beats is happy-go-lucky music. So I'm hoping things turn around. But remember, these corporations and the government are tied together, and they have a plan, and that plan is working to its teeth. Um, This year, hip-hop sales have dropped, and it should. The music is trash, period, end of story. They better be careful. Now on to the song Lady, written by the aforementioned early in the podcast, Nicholas Caldwell. This is a beautiful love song. Lady, wax. I mean, this is one of my all-time favorite whisper songs. It's a beautiful, unconditional love song. And that nine-year-old boy that was singing that song, you could tell that he's going to grow up with great taste in music because this is t- top of the food chain right here. As though we were wax, lady. I said, I love you, lady. The, the, the Scott twins destroy this song. Walter and Scotty are killing this song. I can never get tired of this song. I've played this song so many times throughout my life. It's not funny. First time I heard this song, was back in um, 1980. This was off the Whispers album, the hat, and the beat goes on. And the next song we're going to talk about a song for Donnie. That's a great album. It's called Self-Titled The Whispers. And I believe to this day, it's still their highest selling album. This song, whenever I used to hear the song back in, back in 1980 on the radio, I'd run to turn the volume up because this song is amazing. Oh, man, Frankie Crocker loved playing this song on the radio. I thought I love you, baby. And the way they go, brings you back to the to the, to, to the the way singers used to scat. As do we wax. Sort of like a George Benson-like, which will be the episode we talk about next week. Next week, we're doing a tribute to George Benson. Words cannot express the greatness of Lady. This is a love-making song. This is a song to play for your lady, to dedicate to your lady on the radio. Or if you're at a restaurant, uh, uh, quiet, everybody. Uh, Mr. Jones has requested a song for his beautiful wife, Mrs. Jones. So we're going to play it right now. If you want to dance, the dance floor is open. 
We're playing The Whispers. Beautiful song and not much more I can say. Now we're going to play another beautiful song, but this song, though it's beautiful, it's about, it's a dedication to one of the most tragic and influential and phenomenal talents in the history of soul music. The Whispers, a song for Donny Hathaway. People speak your name And think what a shame You're gone Still they know What you've left behind Lives in our hearts and minds Today and Tomorrow Though clouds of darkness came
The greatest, if not the greatest, tribute song ever written, ever produced, ever sung. I remember watching this performance on Soul Train just a couple of months after Donnie Hathaway had died. Now, as far as Donnie Hathaway's suicide or whether it was a uh, assisted suicide or a murder, listen to my parts one and two Donnie Hathaway tribute podcast, and I talked all about the the day after he passed away when my mother and I found out and how saddened she was. This was, this death affected her more than uh, any other artist up to that point. Now, since then, the artist that really hurt her the most was her first musical idol, La Lupe. But before La Lupe passed, it was Donnie Hathaway's death that really, really shook her up. And so somewhere around March, April of 1979, saw the whispers on Soul Train and they sang this song and it was beautifully done. Talk about perfectly executed. This was the first time my mother and I had heard the song. We never heard the song on the radio. A song for Donnie, which was written maybe three, four weeks after he died and they recorded it right away. And it was a fitting tribute. If you look at the lyrics to this song, it's amazing what Carrie Lucas did. Carrie Lucas, I'm not sure if she was married to Dick Griffey at the time. They might have just been dating, but you know, that's his widow, uh, mother of his children. This is Scotty Scott singing all by himself. There's no going back and forth between him and 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 um. Walter, the rest of the group sat in chairs, and this was beautifully done. I believe they were all dressed in red. My memory, if my memory was is correct, and Scotty stood up while the rest of the whispers sat down. And Scotty starts it off with "People speak your name and think what a shame you're going. Still, they know what you've left behind lives in our hearts and minds." Today and tomorrow. This was a beautiful eulogy. This is the type of song that should have been sung at the man's funeral. But, you know, you can't have this made right away. The clouds of darkness came your way. You've given us a brighter day. This song, Carrie Lucas did a phenomenal job writing this song because she captured the essence of Donnie's genius 
as well as the demons that controlled his spirit, that controlled his mind. The clouds of darkness came your way. You've given us a brighter day, and your music will be so very, very special to me. And the, you hear the rest of the whispers go, Donnie, in perfect harmony. Donnie. Sometimes wealth and fame whispered, play my game. But you, yes, you refuse to play that game. Genius touched your soul, fortune not your gold. God's gift is what changed you. Donnie did not die a rich man despite writing several uh, hits and having several successful albums. A lot of Donnie's fortune was spent on him being institutionalized, being in a, uh, a an asylum, getting treatment for his schizophrenia. A voice like silk would weave your spell. Yes, it would. And words of life, oh, only you tell. And your music is going to be very, very special to me. This, this is just a perfect eulogy. In life's fleeting glance, you have meant the chance to give all they can. And though short you stayed, he was in his early 30s when he died. Before you went away with them, now you stand. Listening to your sounds of joy. I think one shot, get a boy. And your music will always be so very, very special to me. And I love how he goes, said, I love you, Donnie. Oh, said, I love you, Donnie. And then the group in unison, we miss you, Donnie. This is a song for you. I love that when it die, he goes at the end. This is a song for you. We miss you, Donnie. One of the greatest tribute songs to a fallen icon. Written by Carrie Lucas. And she used some of Donnie's old lyrics to put it together. So he gets writer, writer's credit on this song. And... Scotty Scott with an amazing, amazing vocal performance. And the group with the harmonies, it was just brilliantly done. It's a perfect song. I put this right up there with uh, Night Train, the Commodore's Night Train, uh, Raekwon's Marvin, as far as tribute songs go in the history of music. My mother cried when Donnie died, and my mother cried that Saturday morning when we saw them perform a song for Donnie. It just an amazing tribute. And once again, the golden tenors of the Scott twins, especially Scotty here, because Scotty was the one that sang lead the entire song. He didn't share anything with 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 Walter. And you know what? He he deserved that shine because he killed it. He killed it. Perfect choice. And um, kudos to Carrie Lucas for stepping up to the plate and putting the perfect words, mixing in with some of Donnie's words to help write a perfect song for the Whispers. Now we're going to hear my sister from Detroit, Shy, talk about the Whispers. And uh, real quick, my uh, next voice note is from a young lady who 
father is one of the leaders of the wisp. Now we always have a joke that he looks a lot like Scotty Scott. But on a serious, on a serious uh, uh, tip, shy, tell us your favorite song by the Whispers. Um, my favorite song by the Whispers is "Love Is Where You Find It," and it's like we just found each other and now it was just like and it's like you you find love in like the most unexpected places and it's like um yeah and then it's like you it just comes and makes you weak and then it's like you just you wasn't expecting it just come in so hard it's like oh shit like I wasn't even expecting this and then it's like okay cool I got it and then it's just it's wonderful like I couldn't there's no way I could have even imagined that when I received it, it would feel like this. So and, the, and the Scott twins with their incredible vocal bring that to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really feel good, like upbeat song. Like it's not one of those songs about love and love being beautiful that it's like, oh, it's like so beautiful, such a pretty song. It's like, no, it's it puts you in a feel good mood too. Yeah. Like the, it's upbeat, you know, it's not like a a smooth like ballad or anything like that like no it's like okay we can still it doesn't always have to be sexy when you're talking about this type of love you know sort of like rock steady and um beautiful song but happy go lucky and brings whenever that song is being played in somebody's apartment house party in the park it brings a smile to my face once again shy thank you Thank you.
this mystery I've been captured foremost i want to thank shy for that great voice note we recorded that voice note several months ago when we did the bobby womack tribute podcast and her words on the song is on point i mean i could play this song over and over and over and over again i mean the way scotty scott flows throughout this entire work record love is where you find it love is where you i love and i love when he does the scat man that brings me back to the days of doo-wop in the 19 late 1950s early 1960s what's this magic in it? i mean he is just flowing he is flowing through this song like he is swimming with his hands tied behind his head, his back and his feet in cement, but with no problem. Oh, man. I love this song. When Shy brought up this song, I hadn't heard this song in damn near 35 years. This song was not a staple of the top 40 songs that used to be played on WBLS and KISS FM back in 1982. Because by this point, I I was 14 years old when the song came out, and you had now two big-time urban contemporary music stations in New York City, 107.5 WBLS and 98.7 KISS FM. Neither radio station was playing this on its regular rotation. I first heard this song on an AM station that was in this dying days of playing urban contemporary music, and that was 1600 AM WWRL. 
they would play songs that Kiss FM and BLS didn't play. And those songs included uh, Your Body's Here With Me, But Your Mind's On The Other Side Of Town by the OJs. And this song, Love Is Where You Find It. But then, I was it August or September of 1982, that station went from playing urban contemporary music to gospel music and that was the final nail in the head of wwrl as far as popularity goes and then years later it was finally sold and i don't know what that station entails now but then again i don't listen to radio at all i don't listen to uh the poisonous radio stations owned by uh corporations that are in bed with the government to poison our people so um as far as oh man so when that went out when that went off the air songs uh, groups like the ojs the stylistics and the whispers stopped being played on radio stations in new york city this song you would only hear on the quiet storm with vaughn harper every once in a while and this was this was a this was a this was a single this was a single, but it didn't it didn't generate the rating or the ranking that it deserved because radio stations like BLS and Kiss FM weren't playing. Now look, I can I cannot state how wonderful it was as a teenage boy, as a young man, the radio stations WBLS and Kiss FM were because they played beautiful soul music and they had great disc jockeys. We're talking Frankie Crocker, who was the program director and lead um, disc jockey on WBLS FM. You had Jeff Fox and Ken Webb, who would go back and forth between BLS and Kiss FM. You had the legendary Chuck Leonard, who was one of the pioneer black voices in pop music when he was with wabc and other stations before coming to bls you had uh chuck chill out and dj red alert who would play um hip-hop on friday and saturday nights of course the legend mr magic john revis the iconic black puerto rican who was the most influential radio disc jockey probably of all time when it came to discovering great hip-hop artists with his Mr. Magic Rap Attack. Uh, you had a young Wendy Williams who in 1988-1989 was an excellent disc jockey who wasn't about the bullshit she got into years later. BLS and Kiss FM, of course you had Shayla and Vaughn Harper. Man, growing up in uh, New York City and listening to those two radio stations and then of course you had great public um, affairs programs that came on Sunday mornings with Bob Slade on BLS, James, I mean on Kiss FM with James M. Tume, the legend, the Philly God, James M. Tume. Man, BLS and Kiss FM, while they didn't play all the songs that were available, that were great, they did a yeoman's job of giving us classic black radio for black listeners without all the bullshit that you have today it's unfortunate that this generation the younger generations 
are subject to buffoonery, like the Breakfast Club, like the Wake Up Club, like that bullshit on Hot 97 and 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 um, Pa 105 that is uh, syndicated throughout the country to poison the young people, to poison. Um, yeah, I'm getting on my soapbox because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Shock radio. We had classy morning programs that give you the weather, give you the news. They and they'd have uh and and they play great music, and it was great conversation, especially with the gods Ken Spider Webb and Jeff Fox. When they would joke around, it was classy. It wasn't gutter. It wasn't filth. And there's nothing filthy about the whispers. And there is nothing filthy about love is where you find it. Scotty Scott is flowing through that record, man, like a Mark Spitz or Michael Phelps, the way they swam. (laughs) This is beautiful. This is classic, iconic love music. Love is where you find it. The next record that we play is another great song by Nicholas Caldwell that he wrote. And before we play the song, we're going to hear Tevin with a wonderful testament to the whispers and to his mom. We'll talk all about it on the other side. Having a career close to 60 years in show business is a huge achievement. It's only a few groups around that can even, you know, speak and say they have that amount of time and uh, with as much work as the Whispers have. I'd say the Isley Brothers and a few other groups, but that are still actively touring and doing things musically. uh, Not many people can say that. The Whispers are actually my mother's, one of her favorite groups. And I actually took her to see them in concert a couple years ago at the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. And we had a great time. They still give it all on stage and they still, you know, perform all their hits and they still look great doing it. If I said I went back and listened to their whole, whole catalog, then I just wouldn't be telling the truth because I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to it all. It's just a lot. Once you get up there and have 20, 30 albums and you haven't even started at the first one, uh, it's, it's really hard to go back and listen to everything. One day, maybe I will, but... From from here on out, I just really just really touched on that solo record stuff, cause solo records, excuse me, um, stuff that I've listened to, and a lot of the singles. You know, they have a plethora, a plethora of singles, singles mostly the romantic ballads and slow jams, and then you have the up tempo stuff. You know, their big hits that they had in the '80s. So, a few members, a couple members have uh, you know passed away. But the the two remaining, uh, the twins, they're the ones that are the staple of the group, the vocals in the group, um, and they still sound amazing to this day. So some of the songs that I really love is are Say Yes, In The Mood, you know, all those type of songs. And um, one of my um, favorite songs by them that I just discovered recently was uh, Living Together In Sin. You know, some people can relate to that out, out here, you know. That's what they, you know, that's what people look down on you if you're living together and you aren't married. Uh, people look down on you. 
So I really love that, uh, love that song. But I love the Whispers. When I went and saw them in concert once again, it was a great, great concert. And um, I'm just hoping that, you know, I think they're still actively recording because I saw them recently on an uh, episode of Tank's podcast. Uh, and they were talking about how they still wanted to get in the booth and record and make songs. Um, so, you know, they're going to keep on doing it until they can anymore. So once again, salute. Uh, and uh, thanks for covering the whispers, man. Uh, great group. Great legendary group. Thank you.
First and foremost, before I continue the greatness of say yes, and this, this just, this, this, this and lady are very similar, and it's no, it's no coincidence that Nicholas Caldwell, Caldwell wrote both of those songs. Say yes is like a sequel to Lady. Uh, I used to play these songs back to back, but before I continue on that, shout out to Tevin, man. Um, he took his mother to see the whispers. Man, I wish I could have taken my mother. And now she doesn't want to go anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. She doesn't want to go anywhere where she has to sit down in a place for over an hour. So I'm never taking it to a concert. But I would have always, I always wanted to when I was much younger. I always wanted to take my mother to a concert. Um, and... In fact, Tevin, and I love the fact that you did take your mother to see the whispers. Man, um, damn, damn near 35 years ago, my mother was a huge Keep Sweat fan. And so I bought tickets to an Apollo concert where he was going to perform and I was going to take my mother. I was 22 at the time. She was 42. And for some reason that I still don't understand, because Keith is from Harlem, the Apollo canceled the concert. Man, I, she was she was heartbroken. And at that point in time, I was busy. I was working full time, going to school full time. So I never found another opportunity, especially after my son was born two years later, to take her to a concert. That would have been that would have been a she would have had a ball. She would have had a blast. And motherfuckers would have been like, how you take your mom to your concert? Why don't you take, take your girl? Motherfucker, I take whoever the fuck I want to take to a concert. Fuck you. Uh, excuse the lang language uh, to uh, all the older listeners out there. Um, I apologize for the slight uh, foul language. There. <laughs> I'll do the rest. The Scott brothers flow throughout this song. The music is perfect. The instrumentals, the backup band, the musicians. This is an amazing song. And when it comes to my favorite Whisper songs of all time, that's right up there with Lady and uh, a song for Donnie. Walter and Wallace Scotty Scott have beautiful voices have the type of voices that it's just a god god's gift a god's gift that they were given 
and it's un, it's soothing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever are upset, if you ever are having a bad day, or let's say your lady, or your man, or your children upset you, put on some whispers. Put on some whispers. Play lady. Play say yes. Play a song for Donnie. Play love is where you find it. Play in the mood. Play any of those soothing ballads. And even if you're heartbroken, even if you had your heart broken or were uh, disappointed by the lover in your life, a say yes or a lady can uplift you. Even if you even if it make, makes you cry about that man or woman. Lady, said I love you. Do, 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 do. Man, I know I've been um, talking this entire podcast about the greatness of the whispers, the songwriting, and uh, how do you say it? How do you, uh, the, the songwritings of, of, of Nicholas Caldwell, the perfect harmony by the by, by the backup singers and of course the sensational one-two punch that is the Scott twins the Scott twins are it's 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 criminal that these guys aren't in the rock and roll hall of fame it's another group that I'm talking about that have been overlooked 60 years this year, 60 years of making incredible ballads, 60 years of mature, never vulgar, beautiful, romantic music. If you look at the three groups that are still standing today after 60 years, the OJs, the Isleys and the Whispers, and Tevin brought up how the Whispers are one of the long-standing soul groups. Forget soul groups. I mean, well, groups. I mean, right up there with the Rolling Stones as being here for 60 or more years. But if you look at all those groups, the Rolling Stones, the OJs, the Whispers, I'm not going to include the Temptations because only Otis Williams has been around for 60 years. And he's had 79 others in that group. I'm talking about a group where you have at least two members in that group the entirety of its run. And, of course, you've got Ronald and Ernie in the Isley Brothers. You've got Walt and Eddie in the OJs. Mick Jagger and uh, what's uh, Keith Richards in the Rolling Stones, and of course, the Scott Twins. Of those four groups, only the Whispers are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, the Rolling Stones, no brainer, first ballot. It took the OJs and the Isley Brothers a long time before they got in. Whispers belong in. Another group, another soul group. Soul artists that have been looked down upon and have been shunned from getting the ultimate achievement. I know people say, oh, 
Rob, OG, why are you always complaining about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the equivalent for soul musicians, for all musicians, is the equivalent of the Baseball Hall of Fame, the foot, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the, the, the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's the ultimate goal. I know you say, oh, we got this, we got the R&B, we got the soul. I, look, these guys perform their entire career just like a baseball player plays their entire career. And the biggest goal, other than winning championships, like, you know, you, a, a baseball player wants to win the World Series. An NBA player wants to win a, 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 a an NBA title. Football player wants, wants to win a Super Bowl. Hockey player wants to win a Stanley Cup. But those are team achievements, individual achievements that you work hard and do on your own. That's your Hall of Fame. You want to prove to the world that you were among the best. And you cannot tell me that the Whispers were not among the best when it came to beautiful music, to timeless music from groups. Say Yes is one of the most underrated ballads of all time. And this song will always stand the test of time. Shout out to uh, my brother from Baltimore, Tevin, with that beautiful testimonial about the whispers and, of course, about his queen of a mom. Coming up next, we're going to hear from two loyal listeners and consistent contributors, Mdumbe and Jermaine. Then we're going to play Rock Steady, and we'll talk all about it on the other side. The Whispers are the annals of R&B history. They have earned a solid and memorable position as one of the world's longest running vocalist group. With a career spanning over 50 years in the industry, they are the creme de la creme of soul music, smooth ballads, a beat dance favorites. And they have a success of 33 top 100 hits and 20 billboard charted albums over a span of those, over that span. They have many, many, many legendary songs such as seems like i seems like i gotta do wrong and the beat goes on it's songs for Donny and lady and the and one of the best according to me my favorite rock steady the whisper was one of those groups that i really enjoyed and i also have a lot of respect for them for, for being able to adjust from decade to decade 70s 80s and 90s they're able to adjust their sound they're able to adjust their cadence they're able to adjust their voices and their style to fit those time frames not many groups from the 70s were able to do that it's not it's not a matter of them not being able to produce and come up with a song in the 80s and the 90s it's just that when you hear their voices, and there's nothing wrong with that, but when you hear their voice and their style, it just has 70s written all over them. When you hear the whispers, it was a different thing. You hear their, you know their beats, and the beat goes on, 
but then they can come and make rock steady. They can come and make Keep On Loving Me in the 80s, and the sound is just totally different. Their, their style is totally different, and that's what I really loved about them. Walter and Wallace Scott, they've been grinding and grinding and grinding in the music business from the early 70s. I'm so glad that they were able to get their break at the end of the 70s, and their, their real break, that is, and been able to produce hits and been able to produce songs that will never be forgotten. One of my favorite tracks from them is Lost and Turned Out. It's not a track that a lot of people know or a lot of people attribute to them. People usually attribute songs like uh, Lady or Rocksteady or And the Beat Goes On, which is, are tremendous songs, great songs, memorable songs. But I like this one in particular, Lost and Turned Out. All those who haven't heard that one, I ask that maybe you could take a chance and listen to it on YouTube. I'm not going to ruin it for you. But The Whispers, epic group. And Rob, this is an excellent choice. They don't get their flowers or enough flowers like they should. Whenever Rob does a podcast like this, I hope that everybody goes back and listens to the particular artists, groups, duos, or songs that he chooses because we can't forget them. We have to keep them in our rotation, especially what you hear right now, which is very difficult to listen to. We need to go back to the oldies and not forget them. God bless all those who are listening. Take care.
The Whispers had struggled, as I mentioned earlier on the last segment of the podcast. The Whispers had struggled to get consistent radio airplay from after their huge hits of a song for Donnie and um, and the beat goes on and um, it's a love thing. In New York radio, we, we rarely heard the whispers. They were saved for late night radio. Then Dick Griffey put Babyface, Daryl Simmons, and L.A. Reid together with the whispers. Um, Babyface and L.A. Reid, of course, were in the group The Deal. And Dick Griffey had a great eye for talent when it came to songwriting and producing. Remember, he brought Leon Silvers on. Jammin' Lewis' first major songwriting and producing were done for Solar Records as uh, Dick Griffey put them on as uh and gave them their first real work as songwriters and producers. And the same for Babyface, Daryl Simmons, and L.A. Reid. And remember, it was Solar Records that you had to deal with their massive hit on two occasions, and then Babyface with his first couple of uh, solo uh, releases, including the iconic Tender Lover album. Like I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, Solar Records bridged the gap between disco, funk, and New Jack Swing. That's why, in my opinion, they were the number one black label of the 1980s. They stayed ahead, and, and they stayed so ahead that even Griffey helped with the launching of Death Row Records before taking a backseat to music and becoming more of a philanthropist with his work in Africa. Um, There should be a book written about Dick Griffey. Dick Griffey was a pioneer in not only music, but in being a philanthropist, in being a social justice warrior. And his daughter, continues that tradition and she took over for Jody Watley as being one of the lead singers of Shalimar. It's Dick Griffey's daughter with the other two original members, including um, Jeffrey Daniels and Howard Hewitt as the legend Jody Watley wants nothing to do with Howard Hewitt. And eventually I will do a podcast on Shalimar because they too were a Solar Records act, and they too had a huge impact on the culture, especially in the early 1980s. And then both Howard Hewitt and Jody Watley went on to have great solo careers. Rock Steady was that first song that was released, and it was a massive hit in 1987. And look, I went back and forth from New York to New Orleans. I was attending. Uh, Loyola University, all of 1987. It was my freshman and sophomore years. And then the summer of 87, uh, May, June, July, August, I was, in, I was in New York City in between semesters. And both in New Orleans and New York, Rocksteady was played over and over again on their urban contemporary music stations. 
And and I remember when the song came out, I was like, finally, the whispers have a massive hit. And it's an infectious song. Rock, steady, steady, rocking all night. And the Nicholas Caldwell putting together the uh, the moves as the choreographer of the group. <laughs> and when you see the video, it's like, oh, man, look at these old dudes moving. Because at this point in time, is this a, a 13 plus 20, 36? So when this song came out, they were 70. They were, uh, they, they haven't turned 80 yet. I'm recording this just a couple of weeks before their 80th birthday. So 79 minus 33. These are these 46-year-old cats. <laughs> the Scott twins and, and their, uh, the rest of the group boogieing, getting down. With the with, with, with the great dance moves, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, shy Tevin, you guys have seen the whispers recently. When they do rock steady, are they still moving like that? <laughs> Let me know. Hit me up. Um, by the way, uh, beautiful tributes to the whispers by both M. Dubé and Jermaine, my African and Canadian Jamaican Canadian brothers. Um. Once again, and, and um, and Dubé, my heart still goes out to you, big man. All right, you know what we're talking about. I'm not going to put your business out there, but uh, M. Dubé, you a strong brother, and you were taught by that great man how to be a great man. So continue being a great man. So much I could say about the whispers, the magic of the Scott brothers. We're gonna play two incredible uh ballads in the moon and in the mood and it just gets better with time from that great 1987 album that was the last album that they had on solar records because after this they got into a contractual dispute and monetary dispute with dick griffey and you didn't hear from the whispers again until 1990 and by that time New Jack Swing had taken uh, in effect, and The Whispers never again sold records like they did when It Just Gets Better With Time. That album was incredible. It was really the first time that Babyface proved that he can do damn near an entire album as a writer and producer. And so The Whispers helped transition a great singer-songwriter into prominence with the work they did with Babyface along with Daryl Simmons and L.A. Reid. The Whispers had a phenomenal run and they are still touring as you heard from people throughout this podcast and they continue to thrill fans all over the world and even if they didn't perform now that They'll be 80 years old, but they're still out there performing. Even if they didn't perform, their music will live on until infinity because they make classic, they made classic love songs, timeless love songs that, like I mentioned earlier, will put a smile on your face. And you can you can always play these songs when you want to get in a rom- romantic mood. 
in the mood that um I'm about to play after we hear my brother from Chicago, LL School Cave's voice note. I mentioned in I mentioned in um complete detail how that song impacted me, but I'm not gonna talk about it here because I, I promised Took the Barber's mother that'd be classy. You wanna hear my breakdown of In the Mood? Go to Babyface Part One podcast on uh, uh tribute podcast here on this platform and i talked all about the beauty and <laughs> the inspiration that in the mood had for me and my lady at that time back in 1987 when i was a pup i was only 19 years old <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen once again i had a blast i always have a blast when i talk about the legendary soul groups of yesteryear, whether it's the Isleys, whether it's the OJs, whether it's been the Whispers, and you can check out the Isleys and OJs music tribute podcast that I've done on, on this platform. Um, Classy, soul, romantic music at its apex. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I told you I was going to have a George Benson tribute podcast next week. Well, I might. Well, no, I'm going to record a bonus podcast of two of my all-time favorite artists, two of my top five favorite artists, but it's going to be a combined one. It's going to be a surprise one. Ladies and gentlemen, I won't say anything until I drop it. Probably be recording it either today or tomorrow. Before I give it to my brother from um, Chicago, LL School K, and then we hear two more great romantic ballads to end the podcast in the mood and it just gets better to, with time i want everybody out there not only to continue listen listen to the legends of sports and music but to continue to always be blessed and be a blessing let me think back to oh two first time i ever heard the whispers was when i was playing a video game um on my playstation grant that photo Vice City, and they were playing that song on the game. And what went through my mind was, who is that? Who is singing that? That that song is smooth. It got a good vibe to it. It's chill. And I just had to know who were these guys. I seen the video on BET when... I don't know if Bob Johnson still owned it, but I'll say when BT was still black and I seen that video. It was the, the two brothers. They were twins. And I don't know if they were doing a tribute or maybe it was just a video that they was just doing oldies. And I was like, wow, that I was just amazed by that sound. It was sensational. It was captivating. It was breathtaking, you know, and I was just like, I was just stunned with it because I thought it was a new song because it was on a new video game. But they had used that song for the game. And at that time, Grand Theft Auto was new. It was, it was you know, this is several years ago, you know, over a decade ago. So, yeah, man, that's. That that's when I got turned on to the whispers and I'm like, wow, there's another R&B group. And I just didn't know how far the 
R&B groups. Well, let me not say far. I didn't realize how deep R&B groups were during that time in the 80s and the 70s. It was so many of them. And they were just ones that I'm glad that we are highlighting their career because that right there put me on that one particular song. Also, by the way, um, Will Smith, one of my favorite songs by Mil- one of my favorite songs by Will Smith uh, was sampled off that song when the beat goes on um, called Miami, which, you know, that's my favorite, you know, place to visit during the summertime. That in Vegas. So, you know, during the summer months, guys out there, if you see me around, you might see me in Florida, you catch me in Vegas, you know, during the summer months. But yeah, that, 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 the whispers remind me of Grand Theft Auto GTA Vice City. Yeah. It was very, that was a fun times. That's all I can say. Very fun times. Peace. Say